Howdy campers, it's Lauren Marie Taylor, and you are listening to the Not the Final Girl podcast, episode one of season three. It's season three, episode one of the Not the Final Girl podcast. We concluded season two, episode 13, of course, episode 13, with Ron Milkey, who played Officer Dorf in Friday the 13th, the original, directed by Sean Cunningham. Who else? This week is part one of a two-parter with Robbie Morgan, the sassy Annie from Friday the 13th. Robbie is going to be discussing her background and early career as a child actress, as well as how she landed the role of Annie in Friday the 13th. Before we start, though, a shout out to my Patreons, to Anne, who has been a camper for over a year. Thank you so much. And thank you to Tom in Baltimore for being a slasher for a year now. Ooh, yikes. Tim has joined us from New Jersey as a slasher as well. And hey, James in Rhode Island, glad to have you on board as a camp counselor. Be careful out there. (laughs) Check out the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash not the final girl podcast to see how you can support the show and all the perks that go with it. All righty. Well, as she said in the movie, let's be an American original and join the pod with Robbie Morgan. Let's go. You know, we... (laughs) We just met at the Camp Crystal Lake reunion um, in Blairstown. I know we talked about this earlier, but it feels like we've known each other forever. Do you think that that's like a reflection of how being part of a franchise, that it lends itself to being like a family? You know, where part one people have never met part three people, but when you do meet, it's like you've got this camaraderie thing that happens being part of a franchise. Well, really, you know, on one hand, I'm sure... Some of the people feel that way. But when I shot Friday the 13th, I didn't get to work with anybody because I never made it to the camp. Oh, that's right. You only saw Crazy Ralph and a few other people. Yes, I just worked with Crazy Ralph and I worked with um, Rex Everhart, who was driving the oil truck. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't work with any other actor. So I think that when you meet someone, Lauren, when I met you, I don't know what it was, but I felt this instant camaraderie. Yeah. And I think it had nothing to do with Friday the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we met and it was just like instant. I I know you forever. And it was so much fun. Totally. And I even, when I spoke to my husband that night, when I went back to where I was staying, I said, I just feel like I know Robbie she's a sister from another planet or something that has been beamed down into my life and I'm so grateful I think that also like in in life you know they say that when you feel like that when you meet someone that maybe you shared a past life with them you know and so you never know Lauren maybe we were you know maybe we were sisters in another lifetime you never know I totally agree with that I feel like we have the exact same energy and when I was watching part one because I had Ron Milkey on for the final, the 13th episode of season two of this podcast. And so I recently watched the movie and I just felt so, your character, you know, she had so much spunk and so much strength and she seemed so smart. And I, so when I met you in person, I was like, there she is. Oh my God, I got to give her a hug. (laughs) (laughs) And so 
you know, Sean Cunningham was so, you know, he, he must have had this in mind, you know, like to use me as, I guess, I guess like in Psycho, you know, you think that um, Janet Lee is going to be the, the star of the sh- star of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she dies immediately in the shower. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing. You know, Sean Cunningham used me like that, where he used me walking into the town and everybody mm-hmm. thought that I was going to be the, you know, the star of the movie, the yeah. lead girl of the movie. And then, of course, he, he killed me. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, Annie, she, the character is so sweet. She's smart. She's clearly headstrong. You know, you didn't heed any of the warnings from crazy Ralph, the people in the diner, uh, the truck driver. Do you think that, uh, that the character of Annie could have survived and outsmarted Pamela Voorhees if she had made it to the camp? Well, I don't know if she could have out smarted her but she would have put up a really good fight yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> she would have tried and she would have like you know she would have put up a great fight either that or she would have sat down with her and made some you know i was supposed to be the cook in the kitchen so either that or i would have made like some hash brownies or pop brownies and sat her down <laughs> and had a therapy session with her about jason <laughs> <laughs> and, and giving her enough time to think for you to get the hell out of there. Yeah. You know, I would have tried to help her. You're on the West Coast now. Have you always been a West Coast actress or did you start elsewhere? No. I grew up in a little town in New Jersey, about nine miles out of New York City. And I was a child actress. So I, I don't. I don't necessarily feel like a Jersey girl as much as a New Yorker because my whole childhood, I was working in New York. Now, were you, you know? doing TV commercials or were you doing stage work? I was doing everything. So I was doing uh, commercials and voiceovers. And at six and a half, I did an off-Broadway show mm-hmm. called Curly McDimple, which was a spoof on Shirley Temple. And it was called like a Valentine to the 30s. Because everybody in the show, it was like a show within a show. Uh And I played Curly. I played the title role. And it was, you know, before Annie. So it was 1968. I don't want to say exactly the year it was because I'm going to give my age away. (laughs) But I grew up in a wig. I grew up in that Shirley Temple wig. And while I was doing eight shows a week, singing and dancing in Curly, I was doing all the other stuff. So voiceovers and commercials and industrials. There was a big industrial I did every year. Mm-hmm. And then and then occasionally I would do, you know, a couple of days on a soap opera. I would do a movie, you know, a movie called To Find a Man with Lloyd Bridges and, and Phyllis Newman. I would do, you know, we can talk about, about what's the matter with Helen, but I left. I had an understudy and came out to California and I did What's the Matter with Helen, which was a horror movie. So, you know, it wasn't until... Gosh, until years later, we could talk about what's the matter with Helen, but all of that work was in New York. So I was a New York actress, and um, that's where I did all the work until I came to California with a Broadway show much later, you know, when I was about, how old was I? I was probably about 20, 19 or 20 when I came out to L.A. If you were doing all of these professional gigs as a child, were you homeschooled or how did that that work for you? Did you have on-set tutors? I really didn't. I went to public school and not very much of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
because I was working. And not only, you know, so I would go to, you know, my public elementary school during the day. I was so tired, too, because I, I was doing shows at night, mm -hmm, yeah. you know, and then I, my mom would stand me up and help brush my teeth and kind of get me out to school. And, you know, the way that I, I look back on, on my elementary school years was, oh, yeah, third grade, I was doing a nightclub act with Marty <gasps> Allen. <laughs> wow. Fourth grade, fourth grade was great because I was, you know, doing What's the Matter with Helen in California, you know? And so school was sort of in between all the work, which I loved, you know? And sometimes there would be an on-set school teacher when I was doing little movies and stuff like that. But it was different then, you know? Now there are laws. Yeah. And there weren't as many laws as when, you know, when I was working as a kid. So, but, you know, I did. I, I, went, to, I went to public school and... You know, it was music to my ears when over the loudspeaker I would hear. Oh, and you know, we didn't talk about this, but you know, Robbie Morgan is my stage name. I know that the fans are going to love this. Ready? Yeah. You want to know of my real name? It's Robin, first of all. It's not Robbie. It's Robin Panansky. <laughs> and so, love it. So, yeah, I could hear a lot of laughter of all of the fans listening. <laughs> So, so it was music to my ears when I would hear over the loudspeaker, Robin Penansky, please come to the front office because I knew that I had an audition and I was getting out of school. So, you know, that was fantastic. Is it something that your family put you into or did they notice that you were just this exuberant performing young person who just liked to be out there? Well, I'll tell you something. My mom and dad were a vaudeville team and the name of their team was Morgan and May. They were acrobats. They did a big comedy acrobatic act. And when they, my oldest brother, Gary was in the act with them. When, when he needed to go to kindergarten, they settled in New Jersey. My mom and dad opened a big dancing school and they settled, you know, and began their, their life. Also burlesque was coming in. And so vaudeville was coming to an end and uh, they you know, so they opened the dancing school and then my, I'm the baby of, of two brothers. So my middle brother was born. And then when I came along, my other two brothers were already working in the business. So it was like the family business. You know, the studio was one thing, mm -hmm. but us kids, us kids were all in show business. Wow. You know, from, you know, like my oldest brother, Gary who's 11 years older than me, was the original Richie on the Dick Van Dyke show for the pilot. So he didn't, you know, when it went to series, they wound up using someone else. I don't yeah. know why, you know, it's showbiz. Yeah. But he was the original Richie. And then, you know, he did Broadway as a, as a young kid. And then just my other brother and I, we all, we all worked as kids, you know. So when, so, when your brother was, go, was doing the Dick Van Dyke thing, had your family relocated? They settled, they came off the road from doing vaudeville and settled in New Jersey. I come from a very big family and that's where, you know, my mom was one of seven children. That's where they all had settled. And, you know, that's where she settled and we all grew up working. You know, my grandmother lived in our house with us so that my mom could, you know, work and teach classes at the studio. Mm -hmm. And my grandma was like the house mom where she was always home and making meals and stuff mm -hmm. because we were so busy. We were working in show business 
And when we weren't working, we were at the studio taking every class. Wow. That's intense. Yes. So it was very colorful and really fun and really busy and uh, fantastic. You mentioned this a little earlier. What can you tell us about the movie, What's the Matter with Helen? What was your role and how did you come across the audition? What's the Matter with Helen? And now this was interesting. I was doing Curly at the time in a little show I was in. The, and I was, I was playing Shirley Temple. My brother Gary had already moved to California because he's 11 years older than oh, me. Oh, that's so right. He came to California and was working. And he said, actually, you know, when I, I wasn't doing Curly at the time, I, I had gotten another Broadway show at the time. And it was called, it was called Ari. My other brother and I both got that next Broadway show. But my brother Gary knew the casting director. They needed a little girl to play Shirley Temple in this movie, What's the Matter with Helen? The premise of the movie is this. Debbie Reynolds had a dancing school and Shelley Winters was her pianist in the dancing school. And Dennis Weaver was also in it. And then Debbie Reynolds was going to put on this big recital and two little girls were going to get a solo. One kid was going to play Shirley Temple, and the other little girl was going to play Mae West. Oh, my God. Okay. So so I flew out to California to audition for the movie. My brother Gary said to me, hey, Robbie, can you do a Mae West impression? And I said, sure. Who's Mae West? Because, you know, in show business, of course, you just say, you know, somebody asks you a question, like, can you do do this? Can you roller skate? Roller skate? Sure. And then you go out and you learn how to do it, you know? And so he said to me, he said to me, okay, Robbie, say this. And he says, is that a pistol in your pocket or you're happy to see me? Right? And so then I repeated it back. Mm-hmm. I auditioned and I didn't get the Shirley Temple part, but I did get the Mae West. Did you really get that role? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's so perfect. Yes. So in the movie, my name was Rosalie Greenbaum. And I'm in the little dancing school scenes, you know, tap dancing. And then when the re- big recital comes, they literally put me in a Mae West, like, blonde wig and gave me big boobs and hips <laughs> and this whole, and I sing a number called, Oh, You Nasty Man. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like toddlers and tiaras before it ever happened. <laughs> I know. It's like now. Now, looking back, you know, they could never, oh, they would get away never do that now. No. But at the time, you know, and so it was a horror movie because Shelley Winters goes crazy. And at the end, she kills Debbie Reynolds. So it was so much fun. And the thing that was so much fun about it was, for me as a kid, was they were shooting the, the movie at Filmway's studio. And Filmway's studio was where the Beverly Hillbillies oh. uh, shot there. Did you get to see them? Yes, I got to meet, you know, Jethro yeah, yeah. May, and it was so, so much fun. Like, you know, as a, as an actress, you know, and as a kid, I was still a kid, Yeah, you know? So that was what was fun. I went on the set of the Beverly Hillbillies. Are you kidding? I saw the inside swimming pool that yeah. they called, what they used to call it, a pond or something. It was so much fun. And when I met Buddy Epson, the thing that was so unbelievable about that was, I don't know if your listeners will know this, but Buddy Epson was an eccentric dancer when he was a younger guy, and he danced with Shirley Temple. And Full so circle. He, 
he came, yeah, he came to New York and he saw me in the show Curly and he wanted to go on the road with me. Oh my God. Like to recreate yeah. dancing with Shirley Temple. It was just a, a an unbelievable childhood of all of those adventures and fun things that you get to do, you know? Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit to the Friday the 13th experience. Were you living in New York at the time? You know, New York slash New Jersey, or were you already out in California? Nope. I was still living in my childhood home in New Jersey. And I started working again about, you know, because there was a time where in between, you know, like between 11 and 15, where I wasn't really working there for a minute, you know? And so for about 15 years old, I started working again and doing commercials and you know, just right back at it, just doing everything. My agent put, you know, sent me to an audition for this movie. And, and what was funny about it was the audition that I went to wasn't Friday the 13th. It was for something else. And Julie Hughes, there was the casting directors, Barry Moss and Julie Hughes. Oh, I remember Barry Moss. Yes, they did. Really, they were more, you know, shows and stuff. They hadn't yeah. done movies. Yeah. They, they, they hadn't done movies, and this was their first movie. So when I went in, I met Julie Hughes, and she says, you know, Robbie, she says, you're really not right for what I'm doing, but down the hall, they're looking for camp counselors, <laughs> and you would be perfect <laughs> to play a camp counselor. So I said, okay. So I went down the hall, and I, I don't even, I can't really remember what happened when I went down the hall, but I met, I, I met whoever was casting and they really didn't have any anything for me to read that day i got a call back and and it was for sean cunningham Ah, uh, the director yeah and it was i guess this was through barry moss and julie hughes it was the at the minskoff theater rehearsal room which 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 makes sense because that's probably barry barry and julie probably had it in there right cast shows and musicals and stuff and when i went there like the word on the street was that every they needed camp counselors so everybody was auditioning for this movie everybody was like going in and when i met it went in and met sean i was like i kind of like was like a hummingbird i was like i had all this energy and i was like sean watch this and i did acrobatics for him did you really yeah i did I was like, Sean, Sean, watch this, watch this. And I think I did like a round off flip flop, you know, for him, you know, in the room. And, and and Sean, I think was just, just fell in love with me and, and, and wrote in the part of Annie and made it bigger. Like I said, there was no, there was no part, you know, to read, you know, in the audition. So I got the part and it was very exciting, you know, oh my God, I got this movie, you know. And then it didn't shoot, you know, for several months after I got it. And I remember I was in California talking to my, visiting my brother, Gary, my older brother, who was already here. And Sean Cunningham called me and he says, uh, are you going to be joining us, mm-hmm. you know, to Friday the 13th? I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to be joining you. But, you know, it was such a low budget movie that I remember I then I went home to New Jersey and I remember driving myself to Blairstown to the camp. You did? Yeah. Yeah. I had 
you know, I was 17 years old. I had just gotten a car. Uh-huh. I, had a, I had a Kelly Green Firebird. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never so forget cool. It. And I drove myself to the camp. But before we started shooting at the camp, I had to go take a train to Connecticut. And I met Tom Savini. Aha. Uh-huh. I was wondering and, when you met him. Yeah. I met Tom Savini and his assistant Tasso Stavrakis. They were doing the special effects, yep. the special effects, and they needed to make a mold of my neck. And so we did that there in Connecticut. Was anybody else there with you when they were doing the mold for your neck? No. And it was kind of creepy because Tom, you know, had all the heads. <laughs> like, there, <Yes>. were all, <laughs> there were all these, like, you know, all these scary heads, like, you know, scary I'm not going to say that they were creatures. They were just like, you know, special effects, scary faces. Did you you think to yourself, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? No, I (laughs) thought Tasso is awfully cute. That's all I thought. (laughs) That's definitely all I thought. And how fun, how fun these two guys were. And so I had a ball. And it was quick, you know. Basically, they put the mold on my neck mm-hmm. and then the next time the only other time that, that we used that mold was the one time in the scene where they killed me we did it once we did the kill one time because you know at the time you know they were losing the light uh-huh. it was late in the day and uh they put the mold on my neck and we did it one time and the blood you know it all worked and at the time the blood that they were using stained your skin Ooh. so they wanted to get it off my skin, so we did it. They got the shot. They were thrilled. And then I jumped on. Tom Savini had a, like a little scooter there at the camp. Uh-huh. I jumped on the back of his scooter, and they took me right to a shower to get the blood off. <laughs> did they have so more they, to shoot after that? They didn't with me. No, because mm-hmm. uh, I just I did all my stuff like mm-hmm. in two days. So I only worked two days on it. I have a question about your special effect. Um so they put the they made the the neck piece right. Was it a pump that came through, or did they have it um, uh, like a blood pouch inside that? So when they cut the latex or the mold, it just poured out. No, it was so so old fashioned. I mean, basically there was a cut in the in the mold already. Okay. Okay. So all I had to do was just lift, put my head back. And the the cut would open up. Oh, that's so cool. Yep. And then they took a little tiny tube, Uh like a really, really tiny plastic clear tube, and they put it underneath the piece that they glued onto my neck, and they ran it out my sleeve. And Tom Savini was off camera. Uh-huh. So all all the only thing what happened was is I leaned back, the, the, the thing opened up on the the cut opened up on my neck and he timed it and squeezed it looked like the end of a of like a little blood pressure, you know, yeah, those yeah, yeah. black things, right? Yeah. And he had that in his hand <laughs> and he timed it. So I leaned my head back, count one, two three squeeze the thing the blood came out yeah Yeah. and it was so cool like the way that it looked in the movie because the way that they did it was when i leaned back it kind of looked like you know before blood comes like when you cut your hand or something yeah there's like this moment of white 
you know, before the blood, yeah. blood comes out. So he timed it so great. And that was it. That was the whole thing. And I made the decision, you know, you have to like think about, like, you know, as an actress, you know, Lauren, you know, you think about, oh, well, wh- you know, what what would I do? You know, and all I kept thinking of was, well, if they if they cut my throat, they probably cut through my vocal cords. Yeah, you can't scream. <laughs> so I can't scream, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you have to think about that, you know, no. oh, am I going to scream here? How do I want to look when I'm dead, you know, or as I'm dying? Yeah. That was really, that was really funny to to think about. So my vocal cords got cut, so no screaming. (laughs) (laughs) What was your impression when you read the entire script? You know, I don't even, I don't remember (laughs) even reading the entire script at the time. I'm not sure if I did. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I don't think I did. I might have. I might have read through it. Yeah, and then, leaking and I, through it. And then I kind of like went back to the little part that I was in uh-huh. and thought, oh, shit, I'm going to die really quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what I thought. Yeah, I'm not going to be in this movie too long. <laughs> but what you have to remember is, is that it was so low budget. Mm-hmm. So the thinking at the time was, I was glad to be working because I was an actress, mm-hmm. right? So I auditioned, I got the part, but it was very, very, like I barely got paid. I think, you know, I got paid whatever the SAG right. scale was at the time. Yeah. But I worked two days on it. And then you don't think another thing of it because you really never know. You never know, you know, what it's going to be. You're just kind of in the moment as an actress going, oh, great. I just worked and what's the next thing? You know, what's, what's the next audition? Yeah. And it wasn't until the movie came out that my brother, Gary, who lived in California, he called me and he went, Robbie, (laughs) do you have any idea what Friday the 13th is doing? Because he was reading variety every day because he's also an actor. Yeah. And the thing blew up Yeah. and it was making, you know, large, it was a big hit for me, you know, the fact that it was at my hometown driving. On Route 3, there was a, that was like right where I lived and I had to take Route 3 to get into New York City. And uh, there it was every time I was on Route 3, it would be playing, you know, on the drive-in. I could see it from the highway. So that was very, very cool. Did you go and see it at the drive-in? I think I did. Yes. (laughs) I think I did. And uh, it was, it was crazy. Did anybody in your neighborhood recognize you from it or like the popcorn dude at the, at the drive-in? Did he say, wait a minute, aren't you in this movie? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everybody in my hometown knew about it and it was a big deal. It was a very cool, big deal. And then it wasn't, and then it was like, it kind of went away for a while before it really kind of became what it is today. Yeah. It feels like it's bigger today than ever, like all of the movies, you know? Yeah. How many are there now? I think 13 of them. I'm going to get bashed by the fans for not knowing this. <laughs> no, no, no. I think there's 12. Okay. They haven't, they haven't done the 13th. Lauren, how do we get into the 13th one? We've got to come back from the dead or something. <laughs> or, or we play uh, uh, the new people's parents or grandparents or something. Yeah. <laughs> we got we, we to find out who's making the 13th Friday the 13th. And, and uh, yeah. you know, I did, hear, I did hear something really, really fun uh, this weekend when we were at the camp. Uh-huh. A couple people came 
came to see me there and they said that in one of the movies, it might be part four. Uh I can't remember. It might be part four. There's a nurse and her name tag says R. Morgan. And everybody was saying, I bet you that was for Robbie. A big thank you to Robbie Morgan for kicking off season three of the Not the Final Girl podcast. Keep an eye out for part two of our little chat when Robbie talks some more about Friday the 13th. She'll also divulge a few secrets everyone would be really surprised to know about her. You can catch Robbie in person in just a couple of weeks at the Days of the Dead convention in Indianapolis with yours truly. And that's the weekend of June 23rd. The full guest list, of course, is at Days of the Dead Got. Ah, say that 10 times fast. Daysofthedead.com slash Indianapolis. Until then, you can go to my website, laurenmarietaylor.com, for any updates, as well as checking me out on Instagram at laurenmarietaylor1. That's the number one behind my name. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's camp season now, so don't forget to keep your doors locked and stay out of the woods.